when I was a kid, uh, during the late 90s, sorry about that, but uh, there was a television show and a, a digital game that me, that my friends and I really got into. Um, this was a different world, it was a fantasy world, and in this world, the animals were a little different. There were a special kind of animal and monster that you could, you could catch and use to fight one another. And we followed along this hero who, who would go around his home continent trying to catch all these different types of monsters and animals, and he was making his way to become a master. He wanted to be the best, the very best, the best that ever was. We idolized this uh, 10-year-old boy who left his home and goes by the name of Ash Ketchum. He had a little mouse electric sort of monster named Pikachu, and and we used to love watching it, and we used to love playing the games and doing all that sort of stuff. But more to the point, there was uh, two phrases that they use in the whole Pokemon series and stuff like that. And they might sound familiar, but you might remember them. The first one was, you got to catch them all. That was, that was the phrase, you got to catch them all, got to catch all the Pokemon, right? But the second one, and I think is helpful for us as we engage our text here from Ephesians, is a phrase that Ash would use every time he would, he would send out his, his Pokemon, send out one of his monsters before battle, and he would get serious, and then he would throw whatever Pokeball, whatever monster inside of it, and he would yell, I choose you, Bulbasaur, Charizard, whatever. And then the little guy would pop out and be ready to fight. He would just throw it, yell, I choose you. And then that's what would happen. I choose you. I think that helps with our text today because I'm not going to talk about Pokemon the whole time, I promise. Um, But in Ephesians chapter 1, we read that Paul is opening up this letter to uh, these people of Ephesus. This is just the beginning of the letter. And it's his opening remarks. And maybe maybe as you heard it or, or were reading and following along, you maybe had some trouble recognizing what he was saying or what he was trying to say because the pronouns kind of kind of are meshed together and you're like, well, wh- which one is he referring to? Because he's talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all in this, this opening paragraph. And in the original, this opening paragraph is actually one sentence long. So in the Greek, Paul is writing one sentence here, which is pretty crazy and probably making a lot of teachers uncomfortable because... <laughs> I don't know if you were me, but when I was in elementary school, all my teachers would write, run on sentence, run on sentence. If only I was like Paul and could have gone away with it. Um, But this is a complicated sort of section here. But here, Paul is talking about who God is and what he does. And he's talking about God's choice in the matter, God's plan, God's purpose. He says it a number of times. Paul writes, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That God predestined us for adoption according to the purpose of his will. That God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. A plan for the fullness of time. That the Lord predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Paul is talking about each time how it's God's plan, God's purpose, God's choice, God's holy and divine will for the creation. And this is all in just the opening remarks of Paul to the people of Ephesus. And it helps lay out the rest of his letter to them 
and what they, their relationship to God means. Well, I want to say that this, this sort of choosing language, I think, is something we can all get behind with. At least at the start, especially because we're Americans, we, we love that. Yes, the right to choose. Yes, the right to make a decision, to have a freedom, to have a voice, to do what I want to do and to live out whatever purpose in my life I want to be. I like that. Freedom of opportunity. Freedom to choose. But you notice quickly <laughs> that it's not our plan, it's not our purpose, but it's, but it's God's. It's what God does and what God has decided before the foundation of the world. It's his choice. And that's a threat to us. It's a threat and should bother us because, well, being the type of people we are, we like to think we have a choice in the matter. We can make our lives change. We can change it. We can make the right decisions and pick the right spot. I mean, I chose what I wanted to wear this morning. I, I get to choose the car I want, either that one or that one. I chose to get engaged. I chose to get married. I choose the kind of house I want to live in where I want to, or where I want to live in the country. I mean, I even get a choice to, of people who lead me, the political figures that I have a vote and a say in who gets, who gets to be my representative, my senator, my governor or my president. Maybe I didn't like the outcome, but... At least I have a voice. At least I have a choice in the matter. I get to choose to go to church. I get to choose to go to Sunday school. I get to choose to bring my kid to baptism. I get to choose to come up and receive the Lord's Supper. It's my right to choose. I, I've been granted that freedom. Well, here Paul says in so many words, no, it's, it's not your right to choose at all. It's God's right to choose. It's God who elects. It's God, God's freedom to choose who, what he wants to do. It's God's plan. And you, you, you and me, we frankly, we have no say in it. We have no choice in it all, at all. This was decided before the foundation of the world. This was decided before me and you were even born. It's been predestined. And that, that should be frightening. It makes me anxious. Because then you start thinking and wondering and, and having these questions. But I think the questions essentially will boil down to, to these three. Am I chosen and how do I know? Does it matter what I do or since it's been decided, I can just do what I want? And what about my loved ones? Are they chosen? Well, Paul makes it clear that the Lord has blessed and he has revealed the mystery of his will. And the mystery of his will is that revelation of Jesus Christ, the one who makes the love of God known. The one who came down in the midst of a broken world to take on our burdens of sin, to take on sin, death, the devil, all that we, that makes us weak, all that frightens us, to put him to death. And he even takes that part of us that wishes we had a choice in the matter, and he kills it so that, well, so that the Lord can say, 
I choose you. So the Lord could say, you are chosen. And he does that in his son. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because God chose to send his son into the world to die and to restore you back to the Father to be chosen. And Jesus rose from the grave so that he could say, I choose you to be my child in the world, to show the love of God and to take care of this creation. And the way we experience that, the way we know, is because we were baptized. Where the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were placed, was placed on our heart, not, not because our parents decided or we decided to go, but because the Lord promised And he makes a promise. And he keeps the promise. That's why we always use that quip, remember your baptism. Because it's not about actually approaching or or having the right person to bring you, but it's because the Lord has made a promise and he keeps those promises. That says, I've claimed you and remade you. And in our times of maybe more doubt, of suffering or, or whatever is going on in our life when we're not sure if the Lord has chosen us. He invites us to come to his altar to receive the body and blood of his son. He offers to choose you again so we can constantly hear that you are always chosen, that I have reclaimed you, that you are renewed. And what that means then is that You are no longer one who chooses the life that you live or the life that you wish to lead. But it's the Lord who bestows on you a new life that goes out in service to others. To take care of the creation. To take care of the small corner of the world that the Lord has gifted you. Whether it be at your job or in your family life or with your friendships and relationships. Or whether it just be the house that you own or the car that you have, or or the people that you love. That is the little piece of life that God has chosen you to take care of. So that doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want. Because to be a child of God, as Paul would say later in Ephesians, is that you are created as workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared beforehand. You are a child of God. And a child of God lives out to serve and love whatever the Lord has placed before you. This is, this is all well and fine, I think. This is grace. This is mercy. This is, this is God showing his grace to you before the foundation of the world. That he has decided to make you his personal and intimate child. But there's still... There's still that devil nagging in the back of my head. Well, what about my loved ones? What about the people that I care about that don't believe? Because our world is getting more and more, well, less Christian. And you deal with uh, people every day who don't believe, but it's, it's more bothersome when it's someone that you love. And it, it, it's more bothersome because, well, it's not us who get to choose, right? But it's God who chooses. 
And when we see them fall away, well, I can't help but wonder, well, why does my loved one not believe? And are they chosen? Our questions are genuine and they come out of anguish and sorrow. But I know for me, sometimes I want to assert some control over the situation. I want to assert control over my life, and I want to assert control over their lives. And when we get to the bottom of it, I want to assert control over God as if I know better. As if I, if I had the freedom to choose, if I had the right to choose, I could do it a lot better. Because all I want to do is make it right. But that's not how it works. Because we're not God. And even in the midst of our anguish, well, we must commit our loved ones and ourselves to Christ's wounded hands. Let God in Christ continue to reveal himself in his word. Because the seed that is the word of God, it does not come back empty-handed. The seed is good and it bears fruit. Even though we may not witness it sometimes, or sometimes we might see the weeds choking it out, or the ground being hard, or the, the birds taking it away. The word of God bears fruit and it does not come back to the Lord empty-handed. And we continue to pray because God has God promises to hear our prayers even on behalf of our loved ones just as Christ did when he was in the garden. And we must remember that we can't see the heart of our loved ones and only God is the one who can see in, in their hearts and there may be faith there that often remains hidden to us. But lastly, we can be called by God to speak His unconditional gospel to the people in our lives who are crushed and hurt from the world. And it's sometimes in those moments that the gospel comes in most clearest. And maybe we could pray that someone might bring a fitly spoken word to a loved one because, well, who knows, we may be called to give the word of God to someone else's loved one. But in all things, we can content ourselves in God's word because Paul writes in Romans that it depends not on, hum- on us human will, on our human will, or our human exertion, but on who? On a God who shows mercy. God does show mercy. And we see that clearly in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The one who actually came into, down into the world to take on our sins and burdens. The one who died on the cross to rise again and to claim you. And to tell you that you are chosen. To redeem you and to restore you. And now the choices we make do not necessarily belong to us because as children of God, we live out the Lord's will. 
in whatever small kingdom that you have rule over, whatever the Lord has placed in front of you in that small corner of the world, well, the Lord has gifted that to you, and he sends you to take care of it, to love, all in the hope of the resurrection, when the new heaven and the new earth will be united and all will be raised to new life. But meanwhile, we live in taking care of one another and hearing that word of God reclaim us each and every day so that we can put our troubles and sorrows and burdens on him. And the opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ will come. And in that moment, you as, a, as the Lord's child will be given the opportunity to share the grace of God to them, to speak God's word and to, well, and to say to them what you have heard here today. I choose you in Christ. Amen.